1: Communicating with patients has always been, um, I think, a strong point of mine. But um, you know, despite that, and despite the training and my exams and and all the role plays that we've had to do, and and the hundreds of maybe thousands of patients that I've had the privilege of of treating, um, nothing really prepared me
2: for the tables to be turned in, in the way that they were. And, You are listening to Veggie Doctor Radio, and this is episode number 148. Welcome to Veggie Doctor Radio. I am your host, Dr. Yami, board-certified pediatrician, certified lifestyle medicine physician, certified health and wellness coach, author, speaker, mother, wife, and human being. I passionately believe in the power of diet, habits, and mindset in sparking and sustaining well-being and joy in our lives. This podcast combines expert interviews and thoughtful monologues to explore plant-based nutrition, lifestyle medicine, parenting, mindset, and other exciting and fun topics. I hope that these episodes inspire you, uplift you, and equip you with the knowledge and tools to live your best life. Are you ready to get started? Let's do it. Welcome back veggie lovers to another episode of Veggie Doctor Radio. I hope that you are having a very plantastic day. I have another fabulous episode for you today, this time with Dr. Laura Freeman, who is in Scotland and is going to tell us all about plant-based health online. So last week we heard from Dr. Lori Marbus and she talked to us about plant-based telehealth, which is based in the United States, covering almost all 50 states now. But now we're going to hear about plant-based health online for all of you UK folks. Isn't that amazing? How lucky are we to have all of these amazing resources? So Dr. Laura Freeman obtained her medical degree from the University of Edinburgh in 2006. She completed her vocational training in general practice in Manchester in 2011. And between May 2012 and 2019, After attaining full accreditation from the Medical Council of Canada, she ran her own family medicine practice in Midtown Toronto, taught medical students at the University of Toronto, and worked with the Medical Council of Canada as an examiner for international medical graduates. How cool is that? Both within and outside her general practice, Dr. Freeman has developed a strong interest for plant-based nutrition and optimizing health through lifestyle choices. In 2019, Dr. Freeman became a diplomat of the International Board of Lifestyle Medicine, and in her position as Medical Director for Plant-Based Health Online, she leads a multidisciplinary team of healthcare professionals in a first-of-its-kind online plant-based healthcare service. Dr. Laura Freeman is also certified as a CHIP, which stands for Complete Health Improvement Program Practitioner. She is also on the advisory board for Plant-Based Health Professionals UK and is a course tutor for the UK's first ever online plant-based nutrition course at Winchester University. She runs regular health workshops and walk with the doc walking groups in her community. And she is the sweetest. I just really enjoyed our conversation. She's so calm, you can tell that she has so much love and compassion and patience. You're going to love hearing her story. We talked about her plant-based vegan journey and a health condition that prompted her to learn more about it. We learned what it was like for her to be a doctor who then became a patient and what lessons she learned from that. We talk about how her transitioning to a plant-based diet affected those around her and her family, how it was for them to transition. And we talk about a really cool patient story, one of her favorite stories that she likes to share about a transformation that is truly just encompasses all of the principles of lifestyle medicine. I just love it. And then she tells us more about plant-based health online, who can access that and who it's going to be good for. And I'm just really excited about everything that she is doing. I know that you're going to love this episode. You're going to fall in love with Dr. Freeman and her style. And thank you so much for being here. I hope that you enjoy this episode. And please, let's give a warm welcome to Dr. Laura Freeman. Dr. Laura Freeman, what a treat to have you on Veggie Doctor Radio. Welcome. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here and thanks for having me. Well, we're going to have a lot of fun, but before we get into more details about plant-based nutrition and lifestyle medicine and health. I want to know about your plant-based vegan journey. What prompted your lifestyle change?
1: Yeah, I mean, I would love to be able to tell you it was medical school. (laughs) That would be a really good start to the story, but um, it actually started some time after that. Um, And so really I kind of fell into that journey about five years ago when I was working as a GP in Toronto Um, and in fact it was when I attended my my routine appointment with my obstetrician, first trimester, second pregnancy um, and he felt a lump on my neck and what happened from there was that I had scans and biopsies and later found out it was a cancerous tumour in the thyroid. Um, And so I had that removed some months later after my daughter was born and she she must have been about six months old, roughly. Um, And at the same time, I also had some blood work before that surgery, which was pretty routine, but it showed that my cholesterol levels were extremely high. And so even though I had this cancer diagnosis and my cholesterol levels were high, I thought that I was really healthy, I thought I was eating well and I was exercising fairly frequently i wasn't drinking and i didn't smoke and so it really forced me into researching about diet and something that i hadn't really done in all my training and all my years as a gp but it didn't take me long to find out about a whole food plant-based diet and you know the connection was there between that dietary pattern and cancer risk reduction and lowering cholesterol levels and you know, I just got stuck down this huge rabbit hole of information about, um, you know, all the health benefits that a plant-based diet brings, um, and the evidence is so compelling, like you know, um, and so my husband and I talked about it, and I made him sit down and watch all the documentaries, and I'm sure you've seen them too, like Forks Over Knives and what the health, and um, you know, we had this conversation that we should probably change your diet and and we actually ended up doing that fairly quickly um but we also talked about how we would eat plant-based at home but we wouldn't make it difficult for our friends or if we were eating out in restaurants Um, the thing was is that we felt so much better so quickly and that we just never kind of revisited our, our old ways of eating and, you know, at exactly that time, I remember my sister telling me like, Laura, you have to stop preaching to your friends and, and everyone in our family, like rein it in a little bit. Um, and she was probably right. But the thing was that I was lucky to be in a position as a GP to then move that conversa- conversation into the consultation room and to start talking about it with my patients um and the more i learned the more i felt like i i really was doing them a disservice if i didn't at least you know offer it to them as an option when they came to see me um and so i did i started talking about it to everybody i possibly could like whether they had come in to talk about their diabetes or their you know mental health conditions or their autoimmune conditions and um, even people who didn't really have any particular health concerns for example like even if they had come to see me for contraception um, as an example you know i i would start talking to them about um you know the food that they were were choosing to eat and what i found was that these patients were really receptive like they were really open to hearing this message about um you know what was important about their eating patterns and that connection that they could have with their health so so I guess that's a long answer for how I got started, how I got started personally and then, and then taking it into my work and, um, I really never looked back since.
2: Wow. I love that story. And yes, I think that for many of us at the beginning of our journey, we're so passionate that we almost become a little too forceful at the beginning because it is one of those things that it just feels so dramatic. This information that's been there for so long, but we never knew about. So, did I like to, whenever guests tell me about this, you know, that they got really passionate about it, at any point, did you feel anger? Did you feel, did, have mixed feelings about your medical education and what you didn't learn during your training? Yes,
1: <laughs> it's the short answer, and I still do i I think about it all the time like I really wonder you know where that time and that effort that should have been spent learning about nutrition, which was focused on on other things that I feel were should you know are still important but should take up less in um, priority in in medical teaching and you know I've done my fair share, like medical school is. You know, it was five years long and then I had my junior doctor years in training. I trained as a GP here in the UK. I sat my Canadian medical boards and nutritional care really didn't feature in you know, the last 20 years that I've been um, studying and taking exams and learning and seeing patients. And I do have this feeling like I could have helped my patients so much more If I knew what I knew now, and it had been taught to me at the very beginning. So, so yes, I do like, I did feel frustrated. I do have feelings of guilt thinking that I could have done better for my patients. And, but at the same time, I also feel really lucky um, to know Mm -hmm. what I know now and to be able to, to use that kind of food first lifestyle first approach with my patients. So hopefully making up for lost time now.
2: Yes, oh, that's so beautiful. And you're right, I think what you were alluding to before I talk about as well, almost like feeling that lifestyle medicine and plant-based nutrition should be part of informed consent. You know, we have these treatments available, we have these surgeries available, but for many conditions, there's also this option that you can use in addition to, or sometimes instead of. And Mm -hmm. I think it's ethical to give people that information. If we're withholding that information from something that they may never know, is that the proper way to practice medicine? So I think it's one of these things that is becoming a very important question that doctors should ask themselves. Should the conversation on lifestyle medicine, diet, nutrition be part of our informed consent when we're discussing the different treatments that we offer patients?
1: Exactly. Like, shouldn't it just be the default? Like, it, it might be that not everybody is open or ready. And of course, that's fine. And of course, you know, there's, there's a role for medications and, and conventional medicine, of course, like I've had to rely on it myself. And I'm so grateful for it. and I certainly don't advocate that plant based nutrition or lifestyle medicine should replace it. But shouldn't it be that we should always try and improve things with our food and with our lifestyle choices and you know if it's not available if it's not accessible if it's not preferable for people that's that's one thing but yeah i agree like they should all at least be given the choice like our all our Mm -hmm. patients deserve that for sure
2: yes tell me a little bit more about your experience with it so you said that you and your husband you tried it and you felt so good what else changed? Did you have any change in some of these medical markers, like your cholesterol? Anything else changed as far as your medical status, your health status?
1: Um, yeah, well, my cholesterol dropped, and it dropped really significantly. Um, other than that, I think like the changes that I felt were things that were really hard to measure with a blood work, with blood test Sorry, but um, you know things like I just felt. Better, which is what I hear from my patients all the time. Um, I felt energised. I felt less kind of sluggish. I think is the is a good way to describe it. And um, with that kind of increased energy, what I was able to do was pick up things like like my like better exercise habits. So kind of always exercise. That's always been something that's important for me. And as a kid I was a competitive swimmer and I used to train before school and on weekends I probably drove my parents completely mad um but so that kind of set me up really well to to value the role of exercise but but moving over to a plant-based diet did give me a renewed sense of energy and and I was able to kind of um we can talk about this later but but really able to to get back to a daily exercise regime which is is something i'm I'm always working on
2: yeah i know i feel like sometimes when i say that same phrase i felt good i had more energy it sounds so cliche sometimes you know i almost cringe when i say it myself because i feel like people think what does that mean but it's just really hard sometimes to explain how when you make a change you just have this renewed sense of well-being. I mean, it just feels really good. They <laughs> just tell people, just trust me, yeah. you're going to feel really good. Just try it and see what happens. Well, yeah. you... Ex- oh, go ahead. Oh, no, sorry. I was just going to say at the same time, everybody can
1: really relate to, you know, eating a, a meal that's heavy and mm-hmm. fatty and it may perhaps overindulging in whatever way. And so you know how you feel after that. That's kind of yes. like the nutritional opposite of that. And and
2: kind of most people know what that feels like. You can use that to compare and contrast. There's definitely times when we know that what we put into our body is directly linked to feeling not so good. (laughs) You know, (laughs) indigestion, reflux, just so tired and heavy feeling. So I think that's a good way to put it too, is have you had times where what you ate clearly made you feel bad, well, food can also help you feel good and energized and light. And yeah, it's, it's wonderful. Well you are a doctor who became a patient and early on in your career and doctors are notorious for being like really bad patients. So I'd I love, love to way. know <laughs> what what you learned from your experience as a doctor turned patient, especially a doctor who experienced cancer. Any lessons to share, lessons learned there? Oh, so many.
1: And you're right. Like I was terrible. And although to give myself some kind of kindness, you know, I was I had a at the time of my cancer diagnosis I had a two year old and a baby and a practice of about mm. a thousand patients. So oh, you know, man. I did things like miss my appointments. <laughs> it's terrible now that I say it out loud. And like miss doses of my medication and um, you know, be late for my blood work. You know, I was it was terrible even though I knew better. But um yeah, I can honestly tell you that that experience was really nothing short of life changing. You know, personally and professionally. I think personally, I I learned very steep lessons in strength and resiliency, and and trying to be more gentle on myself. Um, but at the same time, you know, I had colleagues who were telling me, you know, it's the it's the best kind of cancer you can get, and you'll have your surgery, and you'll be back to work in a couple of weeks, and. And I was um even though I really wasn't ready for it, perhaps physically but but certainly not emotionally um you know you know you know, Dr. Yami, but your listeners might not that in medical school there or at least here anyway in my training, like a lot of emphasis is put on um thinking about how best to deliver patient care and and patient centered care, so putting patients at the very heart of what you're doing and as a trainee doctor and in my um gp training there's always you know that's always been an area that's interested me is i've always been curious about people in general and so thinking about my role in the patient's journey and their care has has always been something that's really important to me and and something i think probably comes quite naturally to to me too and um, you know there's are certain areas of of medical training that i didn't find easy like it was terrible anatomy and every time I scrubbed up in theatre I would faint and you know someone would have to pick me up off the floor but (laughs) but kind of communicating with patients has always been um I think a strong point of mine but um you know despite that and despite the training and my exams and and all the role plays that we've had to do and and the hundreds of maybe thousands of patients that I've had the privilege of of treating, um nothing really prepared me for the tables to be turned in mm-hmm. in the way that they were. And and that was a huge eye opener, really, really was. Um, I think I realized that I hadn't understood the patient journey as well as I as I thought I did. Like mm-hmm. that feeling of finding a lump and waiting for a diagnosis, and sitting in the waiting room, lying in the hospital bed, like these are things that I just had not fully grasped what it was like. Um, and so the main lesson I think I learned there was you know what it really what it really genuinely feels like to be a patient like to to feel vulnerable and to sit and wait <laughs> until your doctor comes through the room so to hear what they've got to say um I've learned what it feels like to google your symptoms and your prognosis, even though I know I shouldn't and I tell my patients not to do that um and so I really do feel like i I just got this deeper understanding of. And compassion of what what my patients really go through, um, and it's also highlighted as well like the importance of of really excellent communication. So if you can believe it, like after my surgery, I got my pathology results were just emailed to me. <laughs> I just yeah. got them a few weeks later in this email from my surgeon's secretary, and that well, was a pretty traumatic moment. Um, so from that, I've learned to be much more. Careful about my messaging with patients and realizing, you know, it's just so important how you deliver information and results. And it's so important to make it clear and simple and just take those extra steps to just be a bit more thoughtful about it, like what it means for them and their family and their loved ones. And, you know, really always making sure that we consider what it feels like from their side to kind of have that information. Um, But I think probably the main lesson um, is that we just can't take our health for granted, you know, whether you're a doctor or whether you're a patient, you know, whoever you are. Um, And we just, you know, it's just best if we don't wait for a serious diagnosis or an illness or an injury before we start to work on our health. Um, And that really has been the biggest lesson of them all.
2: And now for a very important message. Hey veggie lover, if you are looking for free resources to guide you on your plant-based and healthy living journey, go to dryami.com forward slash free for tons of free downloadable PDFs. Hundreds of people have taken advantage of my tips to help them reduce meat and dairy consumption, navigate eating out, and build satisfying plant-based meals. Download one or download them all. And don't forget to share with friends and family. Dr. forward slash free. And now back to the episode. Maybe
1: something that we've all kind of come to face a bit more during the pandemic, I think, you know, that we're really not as invincible as we thought we were before.
2: Yes. Oh, yes. What a powerful story. And you having gone through that experience just as you were saying has given you so much empathy that respectful understanding of another person's situation because you've been there you have literally been in their shoes waiting for results waiting for the doctor to come talk to you getting results delivered in a way that might have harmed you psychologically you know and so now as a doctor you can take steps to be an even better doctor and to treat your patients with this love and compassion and care so that you are helping rather than harming but what what a journey so mm-hmm. <laughs> let's move back into your plant-based journey and you said at the beginning that you know you you're very passionate and you're telling everybody about it how long did it take with after your transition before you started talking to your patients about it? Was it pretty quick? Or did you feel a little tenuous at the beginning? Were you just a little bit timid about it? How was it? Yeah, I mean, I think at least with the
1: way that we changed our diets, my husband and I was probably not the way that everybody, everybody does it. Like we, we did that very quickly. Whereas I think most people probably transition quite slowly. And that's completely fine. In fact, maybe even preferable, because you know, when we're talking, when we're helping our patients move towards a a plant-based diet, it's really a lifestyle rather than like a two to three week fad diet ideally, isn't it? Um, but, But as it happened, we did transition pretty quickly, maybe in a couple of two to three weeks or so. And because when we did learn that information and we did sit down to watch those documentaries, which are pretty graphic, aren't they? I mean, um, you know, we just really had our eyes opened as to how animals were being treated, for example, and, and just making that connection with what we were watching and what we were choosing to put on our plates. Um and so, you know, with that, it all I also moved forward quite quickly to talk about it with my patients, maybe like another few weeks or maybe even months after that, because as I mentioned before, I just felt like my, I was doing them a disservice if I didn't at least, you know, start that conversation. And at that time, um, my patients knew me really well and I knew them really well. And we had, you know, the majority of them, like a, a pretty close and, and very trusting relationship and, um, you know, I, I could tell who was, who didn't want to hear it, I could tell who might be open to it. And, and so I would have those conversations exactly like you suggested before, you know, somebody would um be sitting in front of me with high blood pressure and I could say to them, you know, your high, your your blood pressure is still really high. And um, we could use medication, we could increase the dose or we could start another tablet. Or actually in the last wee while like I've learned about how a plant-based diet might help you, like would you be open to to healing about it? And, and more often than not, it was a yes, <laughs> like tell me more. And, um and so I was amazed to see how many people were really open to that message. And they were interested to hear about what I was learning. And I think also the very fact that I was, um you know, practicing what I preach and preaching mm-hmm. what I practice, you know, meant a lot to them. Like I, I really do feel like I was role modeling in the best way that I, that I could. And we know um, that doctors who are engaging in healthy habits, like not just with their diet, but with exercise, for example, if they if they are doing that in their personal lives, like they they're much more likely to bring it up and counsel their patients about it, too. And I think my patients could really tell that was coming from somewhere that was, you know, that was really genuine. um. And so that was really incredible for me, like extremely satisfying as a physician to be able to not always rely on a prescription pad to try and help somebody and like really, really be able to offer them something where
2: they could really genuinely improve their health. Wow. That's so awesome and you said that your husband and you switched together what about the rest of your family members what about your children did you transition them to a plant-based diet at the beginning or did that take time and then what happens with your extended family were they just annoyed with you trying to like (laughs) preach to them about (laughs) it or have they made changes as well they have i mean so at the time we were in
1: toronto um, and so it really was just my husband and i and my kids were really young like Three and one, or maybe even just a little bit younger, and and we really didn't think about them at the at the beginning, to be honest. You know, we Roger and I made sure that we knew, you know, what we were shopping for and what we were cooking for and what our meals were looking like and how we were going to navigate things like eating with friends and at uh, restaurants before we focused on the kids. Um, and and once we were comfortable with that, then we kind of turned our attention to, excuse me, what they were eating and how we were going to manage school meals and play dates and, and that kind of thing. And I have to tell you that your book has been the most amazing resource for that and an amazing source of reassurance because that really has been probably the most complicated part of our, our journey. You know, I have one, my oldest, who's now seven. He really does not enjoy trying new foods and new flavors and, and that's very much a work in progress. But my wee girl, who's five, I mean, she's just got the most sophisticated palate for a five-year-old. She just, she'll eat anything and everything. And, and so that's really wonderful. Um, but, you know, as it happens after my own diagnosis, it wasn't so long after that my dad had a stroke. Mm. And it wasn't so long after that that my mum had her second cancer diagnosis. And so they suddenly became really interested in what I was doing, what I was talking about, you know, with the success that I was seeing in my patients. And, um, you know, after being a bit hesitant, you know, they're now on a whole food plant based diet, (laughs) um, which I'm so grateful for. And they are too. And my sister and her family have, have followed really closely behind them, which you know i'm really lucky for because i realize and i've seen a lot of my, my patients that when their family members don't change with them it can really be very challenging and um, so it's just wonderful to be back at home and see them more often i mean i haven't seen my sister that recently because of lockdown but when we are together like our time is always focused around what we eat and <laughs> really enjoy sitting down at the table and talking and thinking about what we're going to have and as it happens, my mom is a retired home economics teacher. So she's an incredible cook and has really, really embraced, you know, trying out new recipes and baking experiments. And um, so that's, that's been really fun. And it's, it's just been amazing to have them, you know, included on this journey that we've been on.
2: Wow, that is so wonderful. I mean, what a ripple effect. And to just think about mm. the circle of influences that we have that we don't think about all the time, but you're right just like your change to a healthier lifestyle impacted those around you we also end up being influenced with not so healthy lifestyle choices from our friends and family members which is why this whole thinking about it like the blue zones you know surrounding yourself with people that live healthy lifestyles because that helps encourage you to continue your healthy lifestyle choices. We're doing it all together. We're connecting over it. We're connecting over this amazing, delicious food. And no, I, I agree. I feel like plant-based people, we're, we're pretty food focused. And the reason yeah. that is, is because our food is delicious. So for anybody yeah. listening, that you if you doubt that this food tastes good, I'm just showing you evidence. If all we can talk about and think about is our food, it's because <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> Yeah. Well, what do you think Thank has surprised you. you the most about using plant-based nutrition and lifestyle medicine in your practice? Are there any outstanding patient stories that you want to share with us? Yeah. I mean,
1: I, I think I'm really lucky. At least I count myself really lucky because a lot of patients who come my way especially now, you know, are aware of what I'm offering and the way that I practice and you know, so they 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 know that I use a plant-based um kind of food first lifestyle first approach and so i find that a lot of them have done some reading or they've watched some of the documentaries that we've mentioned now um, and so that's a really good starting point for me um but the thing that never fails to amaze me really with that is just how quickly people feel a difference and I, I mentioned that about my about my own kind of transition and what i i felt myself and you know, I should say that it's not easy for everybody. And it, and it is a big learning process. Um, but for those people who, you know, dedicate some time and effort into learning a bit about it, and for those who make sure that they are eating enough um, when they move to a plant-based diet and are supplementing properly and, and doing all those good things that we know are important, um, they do just say things like, oh, I feel so much better. <laughs> I have much more energy and you know, like we mentioned before, it's really incredible to see things like cholesterol levels falling and sugar levels stabilizing and medications being reduced or even stopped. Um, but there's just something really amazing about hearing those benefits that you can't measure, like those kind of increased energy levels. And these are things that you can see on your patient's face when they, you know, walk through the door or for me now, when they kind of open their zoom (laughs) window, you can still see it. but there is one patient that stands out for me in particular and I, I talk about her quite often because as you say you know you use the words outstanding and that's exactly what she was um or is um so a young woman with bipolar affective disorder so she struggled with depressive episodes but also had history of mania so where she had this kind of extreme and abnormal elevation of mood and when I first met her she had been and, and admitted to the inpatient psychiatric unit for um she had quite a few admissions actually, and some of them extremely lengthy. um And she had been on medication. So a drug called olanzapine, where she had gained a lot of weight and um really felt quite unwell on it. And I think in her words, you know, she just felt numb to life, which is not something that she enjoyed. And After her last admission and after many months of being stable, she came to me and she asked me if I would support her coming off her medication, Um, which is not an easy question for for a GP, really, especially going against the advice of of her psychiatrist at the time. Um, But she was really determined and she had a lot of things that were working in her favor. So, for example, she had stable employment and she had a supportive sister that she lived with and um, she had financial security for example so she so she did have a lot of things on her side but she was also open to and educated herself about it and was um you know we worked I worked really closely with her so that she transitioned towards a whole food plant-based diet and um, and then she found she had more energy which meant that she exercised more and then she slept better and she just really showed me this incredible like upward spiral of change, and just before I left Toronto, she had this interview for a new job which she got, um, something that she loved and suited her much better than the one that she had um, previously been in. She also started volunteering for mental health awareness in her community, which is just, um, which is incredible anyway, but even more incredible because up until that point she hadn't even discussed her diagnosis with her parents she just felt like culturally they would not understand or accept that diagnosis and so for her then to be in her community talking about her experience like that was just for me like the real vegan icing on the vegan cake type of thing like it really was so incredible and Actually, it was the day that I signed up for my lifestyle medicine diploma. And um, she came for her last appointment and she put her business card on my desk when she was leaving. And she said, you know, I've written my email on the back of it. And if you ever want to share my details or my story, and if it's ever going to help anybody, then then please share it. <laughs> so that's exactly what I do. For anybody who asks about an outstanding patient and for anybody who doesn't actually, I'm, it's such, um, yeah, it's such a lovely thing for me to be able to share that story of of somebody who had really struggled, um, but then, you know, made such a powerful, um, made so many powerful changes in her life. And um, actually, just the other day, I heard from her and was really happy to hear that she is still doing really well,
2: which is oh. amazing. Wow. Yes. What an amazing story. And I love that you're sharing this story in particular because I think when it comes to mental health, we feel that it's separate. Like we feel that our our brain and our mind are separate from our body and that it's it's not related to our habits and our behaviors and all of these things that we can do that might say improve heart disease or or something like that we don't think about that affecting our mental health but this is just such a powerful example of how it can and how it -hmm. had such a huge domino effect in her life like When she felt better, she started exercising, which we know how many benefits exercise have. But once she started exercising, she slept better because we know that exercise improves sleep. And once you sleep better, you feel better. And like you said, it's like an upward spiral, like a positive feedback loop of just feeling better. And I'm so grateful that you were willing to join her on this journey, that you had the courage to do that because I do think when it comes to mental health, especially when patients are on some of these meds, It can be hard especially for primary care doctors to have to be brave enough to say like all right let's try it but you had the courage to do it and look what happened like her life was just completely transformed it really was it really really was
1: and um The other reason why I love her case actually is because it also just shows how important it is to use things like, you know, nutritional care and lifestyle medicine alongside conventional medicine. Mm -hmm. Right. And, um, you know, she still was really compliant with things like her follow ups with, with her psychiatrist and, you know, open to thinking that she might need medication in the future. And, and actually the, you know, the, the story I presented is obviously very and you know it's just a summary but you know there was a time where she did start to become um a bit more manic and she went back on medication to help her sleep you know just for a very short amount of time and so it wasn't like this magic cure and everything was suddenly wonderful it was so much better and so improved and it really gave her the tools and the techniques to fall back on when she needs it you know we all realize like life is not a, a straight road um but But yeah, it just highlights how well you can work alongside conventional medicine by putting into practice things like optimizing your diet and exercise and all these
2: amazing things
1: that we've been talking about.
2: Absolutely. And I think we do that too. Sometimes we want to say, or this or that, but most of the time it's an, and, and I think that lifestyle medicine can be used in every specialty. It can be used in, across every field of medicine. In addition to other treatments that we have whether they're conventional treatments or alternative treatments lifestyle medicine can be used and for some people it can be just so powerful it really helps them so I also want to like you mentioned we we should reduce the stigma of if some people need medication for whatever health condition or mental health condition thank goodness it's available but you can also look into some of these other lifestyle medicine habits and behaviors that can help you in addition to that. So that's Mm -hmm. awesome. Mm -hmm. Well, you have been working super hard, creating some wonderful resources. So please tell me about Plant-Based Health Online and what it's been like working with the Plant-Based Health Professionals UK. And now for a very important message. Hey mama, if you are feeling frustrated about mealtime battles, worried that your child isn't eating enough or eating enough vegetables, afraid that your child is going to get some awful deficiency or disease because of the lack of diversity in their diet, I wrote a book that might be for you. A Parent's Guide to Intuitive Eating How to Raise Kids Who Love to Eat Healthy is available in paperback, ebook, and audiobook through all major online booksellers. Did you know that most children are born with the innate ability to eat the appropriate amount of food to satisfy their hunger and support appropriate growth? Despite this, parents are still anxious and confused about how much and what to feed their children. In addition, many children are labeled as picky eaters or develop behaviors such as hiding and sneaking food. There's also a growing epidemic of dieting behaviors and eating disorders beginning at alarmingly young ages. In my book, you'll learn the five pillars of healthy eating, how to apply intuitive eating through all the stages of development, lifestyle habits that support healthy eating and body image, A Parent's Guide to Intuitive Eating How to Raise Kids Who Love to Eat Healthy, available in paperback, ebook, and audiobook through all major online booksellers. Are you ready for a fresh approach to feeding your child? For more information, visit dryami.com forward slash book. And now, back to the episode
1: yeah well thank you (laughs) it's it's such an exciting thing to have the opportunity to talk about it because we have been uh when i say we i mean dr shireen kassam my friend colleague and and co-founder and working on on this project for for quite a number of months and not being able to talk about it so it's really (laughs) nice to kind of be able to shout it out loud um from here so Um, So yeah, so Plant-Based Health Online is the UK's first plant-based lifestyle, medicine, healthcare service. It's a bit of a micro, but um, essentially what we do is, um, well, patients can visit our website, so plantbasedhealthonline.com, and they can book a video consultation and connect with somebody on our team and help, guide them on their journey towards a plant-based diet. You know, whether they're plant-based already, I need to make some, you know, fine tuning or whether they're vegetarian or, or whatever their diet might be. So um, we're able to connect them with our amazing team of GPs and a dietitian and nutritionist and a health coach um, and really, really help them work towards kind of regaining their health or, or, or optimizing their health. Um, so we, what else can I tell you? Well, we're established as a community interest company, so a, a not-for-profit company. Where all our um, profits go back into the organisation to help and um, provide free or subsidised subsidised care for our patients, and um, which I think is just so important and so um helpful because you know, we realize that a lot of patients who need our services are maybe not able to afford them. And and we really want to be able to combine plant-based nutrition and lifestyle medicine together to make it more mainstream and just, you know, deliver it as, as wide and far as possible. Um, so that's that's been really exciting. And Plant-Based Health Online really is a an extension, like a, a service arm of plant-based health professionals. And um, so kind of like our sister company who are an education and, and advo- advocacy group um highlighting the importance of of plant-based nutrition and, and sustainable healthcare. it's really exciting to be able to work with them. It's a dream come true actually, um being able to to make this
2: my my full time work at the moment. Wow. That's so cool. What a wonderful resource. So for people that want to utilize the service, do they have to be from the UK or can they be from different countries? And for those that are in the UK, which is rather large and has a lot of different countries, is it all out of pocket or is it covered by any social services or insurance or any of those kinds of things?
1: Yeah. So at the moment, um, our doctors on the team, um, we are registered with the general medical council and we're limited, so we can only see people within the UK. Um, but our dietitian and our nutritionist and our health coach, they can see people worldwide, except the States and Canada, unfortunately, um, or at least at the moment, but that would be something for us to to work on. Um, and at the moment, we, you know, we launched as a private service, so patients do need to pay out of pocket for that. But really what we're hoping for, like what our dream is here is to be able to, you know, demonstrate that our services are effective um, and publish some data even so that we can align ourselves with services um, within the NHS. Um, Mm And so that's our our free health service and just to make it as widely accessible for as many people as possible. So that's, that's something we're aiming high and um, that's, that's hopefully where we're headed.
2: Yes. Wow. Congratulations. And I know that it's a lot of work to develop things like this. There's so many details, so many kinks to work out, but obviously you're very, compassionate and loving and I I just know that you are going to make this the best possible that you can so congratulations on creating this thank you what do you wish more people knew um I mean it probably won't come as a surprise I
1: wish more people knew about the benefits of a plant-based diet um I wish they knew the truth behind the misconceptions um, and I, I know you like to focus on the positives and the, the health benefits of food and I do too, but I also wish that people knew about you know the risks of the standard westernized diet. Um, you know that processed meats are a group one carcinogen, that animal products have zero fiber and that fiber deficiency is really important, but that protein deficiency is something that we hardly ever see. Um, I wish people knew about the impacts of food not just on their health like we've been talking but also about you know on the impact of the planet and -hmm. because we can work really hard to make our patients as healthy as possible but if we don't have a healthy planet to live on then you know I think we have a really tough future ahead and and it seems that we have this really narrow window of opportunity to to change things and I just wish that people knew you know now is the time (laughs) now is the time and we need to take it
2: yes and the health of our planet affects our health whether we think about it or not you know with pollution and different environmental toxins so it is very important to think about if we want to stay healthy if we want to have a place to live we really do have to be having these conversations about planetary health Mm -hmm. what personal habit are you most proud of and why um it's my workout habit (laughs) um you
1: know i work out work out every day no matter what you know even if i don't feel like it and and i have to be honest like most days i don't um (laughs) but i do it in (laughs) i do it anyway and i never regret it and um you know like i mentioned before i have exercised as a kid and i've always enjoyed it but um, you know, through my pregnancies, and when, when the kids were really little, I, I just stopped making time for it. Mm-hmm. And actually, it was my endocrinologist that told me, she got up before anybody else in her house was awake. And that was the time that she, um, you know, carved out to exercise. And I was kind of like, well, if she can do it, I can do it. <laughs> and she really did inspire me to get back into that. And you know, when I learned more about lifestyle medicine and the evidence behind exercise and the guidelines for cancer risk reduction, you know, it's just become something really important in my life that I do every day and and feel the benefits for it. So, you know, that's really changed my relationship with exercise, actually, like I no longer work out to lose weight or because I've indulged in something, you know, the night before. Now I'm doing it to reduce my cancer risk, like I said, and um, but also because it helps my mood and it helps me sleep better and um you know all these good things that come with with daily movement
2: yes and we see each other on the peloton right you do the peloton yes. what what other forms <laughs> of exercise I do you do what are your favorites
1: um i do love the peloton and you know one of the things I think I like about it most is that variety that it gives you, mm-hmm. um, and so it never becomes boring. So I'll do strength workouts a few times a week, and I'll do some high intensity workouts when, when I have got up late and realize I've only got 15 minutes before I have to get the kids up. Um, mm-hmm. And when I've got a bit more time, I kind of enjoy those longer but lower intensity, like endurance workouts. So I really do try to vary to up because because that's what we should be doing. <laughs> and that's where most of the health benefits lie, but also because it doesn't make it boring, right? Like it kind of keeps me on my toes. The thing I'm trying to do a bit more is some um, yoga and try not to get frustrated because I'm really not very flexible. <laughs> and I find it really hard to take things that slow and think about my breathing, but um, you know, I tell my patients to do it. So like I said, I like to practice
2: what I preach and um, so that's something I'm trying to, to do a bit more. Beautiful. I love it. Yeah, I have the same practice as far as I get up early in the morning to do my exercise before anybody else is awake. I feel like that's my time. Nobody better, better bother me. My kids are older now, so they don't necessarily need <laughs> yeah. me in the morning. But but it's really nice to have that. And I agree that there's a lot of mornings where I would rather just keep sleeping. But I tune into the fact that if I don't exercise, I'm not going to feel that energy and that mental clarity that I really have gotten used to, that I really want to have, and it does, it gives you the yeah. sense of well-being. So even though at the beginning, you're like, "I don't want to do it." Afterwards, yeah. you're just like, "Oh, I'm so glad I made time for this." It sounds like you have the same experience. It- Every time, I am a much nicer person if I've
1: done my workout in the morning. Amen. <laughs> yeah, so I just, I just know that it's worth it for everybody. It's worth it for me. It's worth it for my kids. It's worth it for my husband. Like everybody wins if I get my workout in the morning. That's
2: so a good. Thing. Yes, mommy has to have her time to make the day better for everybody. <laughs> I exactly. love it. Dr. Freeman, this has been so great. Please let us know where we can connect with you and give us the websites again. So if people want to check out the plant-based health online where they can find it.
1: Yeah, thank you. So well, I'm on Instagram. Sometimes I post frequently and sometimes I don't. But um but but I do enjoy it. So I'm my handle is Dr. Laura Freeman. Um and for Plant-Based Health Online, it's plant-based underscore health online. Um, and pbho.co.uk is, is
2: the website. Perfect. Okay, so then the last task I have for you is to please leave us with one call to action. What is one thing that we can do this week to improve our health?
1: Yeah, so I I have been thinking about this because I've listened to your podcast for so long now. I know there's always a call to action at the end and. It's hard, isn't it, to think of one specific thing that fits us all because we're all really different. But I just think if there's one thing that we do, it really has to be, you know, getting clear on what matters to us the most. Mm. Um, and I, and I ask that from all my patients and and I tell them, you know, to use it as a driving force to make healthier changes so that no matter what it might be, whether it's our diet or exercising or you know whatever it is, that if you manage to tap into what really matters to you, you can really use it for, for effective change. So it might sound a bit fluffy and a bit vague, but I think when, when we do get a bit clearer on that, it can make a really big difference.
2: No, it's, it's a beautiful call to action. It's so important. But also to know that it'll change, which is why it's important to continue to ask yourself that question on a regular basis, whether it's every week or every month or every quarter. What is it that matters to you the most right now, this point in your life, in this season? What matters to you the most? Because it's the only way that we can align our life, align our habits, our behaviors to get to that goal. Otherwise, we're just kind of aimlessly, you know, mulling about, we may not have a direction. So I think that's perfect. Thank you so much for that call to action.
1: Oh, you're
2: welcome. Thank you too. You also added beautifully to it. (laughs) Well, Dr. Laura Freeman, this has been wonderful. Such a pleasure having you on the podcast. I'm so grateful for everything that you do. I know that your patients probably love you and are so thankful for you. So thank you so much for everything that you do. And I hope to meet you in real life someday. And I hope that you have a very plantastic day.